Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand finances can be confusing, but the good news is you don't have to face it alone and you can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is George Langdon V. Most of you know I go by five. I'm an MBA and financial advisor here at Crystal Clear Finances and will be your host for the next 30 minutes. Don't worry, Crystal will be back next week. Today, we're gonna be talking about a successful financial plan and the three key components that makes it up. We have savings, investments, and protection. The first part, savings, well, that can be a little tricky because a lot of people will come in and say, five, what should I have in savings? Well, there's some standard pieces of advice here which is, I like to see two weeks of living expenses in cash in a fireproof safe, not a coffee can, not under the mattress, but in a fireproof safe that's there for emergencies. Perfect example of why I feel this is so important. Few years back, New York City and Long Island had quite the storm. Whether it was a super storm or hurricane depends on your definition. But my great aunt calls my parents in the middle of the night and says, I'm sitting on my dining room table and there's water all over. Please come help. <laughs> they were able to roll out of bed, put their hands on some cash and get down there. They didn't have to wait for the banks to open the next day to make a withdrawal. They were able to help very quickly. So this is where I feel that two weeks of emergency savings at home is incredibly important because of its high liquidity or very easy access to them. The second piece is about a month worth of living expenses in your local bank. Again, it's focused on the high liquidity or easy access to. We're not really focusing on the growth component because this is really an emergency fund, right? Because we've all been in the situation where the tires need to be changed, the roof started leaking, and Bob or Sue, little Bob or Sue, all of a sudden need to buy something for school that is outrageously expensive for some reason. And they all seem to happen in the same month. That's what this is for. So that way you don't have to go to the credit card and get into debt to handle it, but instead can use some emergency savings, meet these needs, and then replenish. Now, I'm a big believer that we should have more than a month and a half of living expenses in savings. But this is where I start to say, I want some growth on it. Now that does not mean to go into the market. We have not bridged into that part of the segment yet, but we wanna make sure that it's earning a competitive interest rate because I'm sure most of you are now familiar with the idea of inflation. My favorite example of this is pre-pandemic, Twizzlers cost $1.50 at my local store. I love Twizzlers. This was great. After the pandemic, they're $3. Now, it's not enough to necessarily stop me from buying them, but I buy them a lot less <laughs> because that's a 100% increase. And now we know that we've experienced that not just in Twizzlers, but along many different things. So we want to make sure that our money is keeping up with that level of inflation or at least getting a good interest rate. Again, though, it's very important to remember 
that this is not a market-related growth because savings should help provide some stability. And the market has some instability that's within it with the market volatility. Now, how much more you need, that's going to be based on each individual. Because what if you're saving for a house? Or what if you're trying to start a business or you already own a business and maybe income's not as regular as, your, as a normal nine to five job? Your needs for savings are going to be different for each situation. I have a friend that works sales position, that works a sales position. And there are months where it seems like there's more money than what he knows to do with. Then there are months where he says, I need some of that money I made in the other month to go ahead and meet the bills. And that's a great example as to why his need for savings is going to be completely different than the person that says, I already own my home. I have a steady job. I'm salary. I don't need these large, I don't have these large decreases and increases month to month. So when it comes to savings, remember, we have some standard pieces, which is an emergency savings. I usually like to see two weeks of living expenses at home, a month in your bank. But then the amount that we need beyond that is going to differ based on each individual, what their goals, what their needs, and what their wants are, whether they're looking to take place or looking to capitalize on some real estate maybe, or looking to buy that home. It's all going to differ in that arena. Now, the next phase that we're going to talk about, the next stage is investments. But first, we're going to take a quick 30-second break, and we'll be right back. Is it possible for you to pay less tax? This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. There are four types of tax planning strategies that can potentially lower your tax bill. And while everyone's situation is different, the strategies of reorganization, annual year-end review, long-term projections, and situational planning are tax planning strategies that could allow you to keep more of the money you make. Take time to efficiently plan how you can pay less taxes. Call Crystal Clear Finances today for a free initial consultation at 518-433-7181. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. I'm George Langdon V. Most of you know me by five. And right before the break, we were talking about the different components to a successful financial plan. Savings, investments, and protection. We talked about savings and how we need to make sure that we have two weeks of living expenses in a fireproof safe at home a month's worth of living expenses in the local bank, and then everything beyond that, that's going to be really dependent on your own personal goals, needs, and wants. But the key there is we also want to make sure that we're earning interest so that way we can be keeping up with inflation and not losing purchasing power. The next piece is investments. Now, when it comes to investments, there's a couple different components that we're really going to focus on. The first is risk tolerance. Now, many of you may be saying, what do you mean risk tolerance? I want to grow. I want to gain money. Well, 
Part of this, though, is understanding what level of risk each individual is comfortable with. So what we'll do is we'll sit down with a client and we'll go through hypothetical situations of if the market goes down this percentage and your account goes down this percentage, what would be your reaction? Would you be able to pass what we call the pillow test, which simply means that when you go home at night and put your head down on that pillow, will you be able to fall asleep? Or are you going to be up all night worrying and stressing? Because if you're going to be up all night, it won't pass the pillow test and we need to adjust. So the first piece that we really want to focus on is that risk tolerance. And that's a very individualized number for each of us, right? When one person may be a very conservative or low risk person, another person may say, hey, I'm fine with the ups and downs of the market. I want the ups, so I'm willing to take the downs. Each person's gonna be different in this arena. And that's why it's so important that you work with a professional that actually sets in place what different risk tolerances work for you. The second thing that we focus on a lot is time horizon. Now, what time horizon focuses on is, well, when do you when do we need the money? When do we have that need? Whether it's in a college plan that is going to be needed in five, 10 years, because that's when they're going to college, or whether it's for retirement, it's all going to be different. So the second thing that we have to establish after risk tolerance is what is the time horizon? How much time do we have to work within the market? And this is where we want to be very careful because we don't want to go put money into the market and find out we had a year because that can be dangerous. So we want to always be looking more on a long-term horizon at that point too. Now, those are two general pieces of investment, uh, investment thought processes. The next piece is when we start talking about account types. So the amount of times I have clients that come in and say, I hate my 401k or I love my 401k. I hate my Roth. I love my Roth. Whatever the case may be, it actually has nothing to do with the account <laughs> because the account is just like a bucket. So each bucket has its own rules and whether they are good for you or apply to you at that time is gonna depend. So the first thing that we wanna talk about is when we talk about 401ks or rollover IRAs or traditional IRAs, idea, basically what we're talking about is tax deferred. Now, the way that a tax deferred account works is you say, Mr. Government, don't tax me on the money going in this year. Instead, tax me on the money coming out when I distribute these funds, okay? So you work your entire life and you're not paying taxes on that. Build this big 401k, this big IRA. But when it comes to distributions, when it comes to your retirement years, what's going to happen is the government's going to say, hey, I like the, the investments you've done over there. I want a piece. <laughs> so whether a 401k or an IRA is right for you, it varies. You could be at a very high earning year and need to defer some of those taxes. That could make sense. Could for compliance. <laughs> but 
it could also not make sense. For instance, there's another type of account that's called a Roth IRA. Now, most of you know that we like paying as little taxes as ethically possible. So we do like the Roth because the Roth kind of works opposite of, an I, of a traditional IRA. What it does is it says, you know what, government, you can tax me now. That's okay. Because when I'm in retirement, you can't tax any more of this. So a great idea of this is, hey, I'm in my lower earning years. I'm probably going to make more and more money as time goes on. I'm going to pay the tax rate now. I'm probably at a lower tax rate now, so I'll pay it. So that way it can grow completely tax free. Now, in between the Roth and the traditional IRA is a taxable account. The benefit to this one is it doesn't have any limits as to how much you can put in. Because whether you're in the traditional or the Roth IRA, the government says you're getting preferential tax treatment. So we're going to limit how much you can put into that, how much tax uh, special tax treatment you get to take advantage of this year. So with a taxable account, what it says is, hey, I'm going to go ahead. I already paid the taxes on the money going in, and I'm only going to have to pay taxes on the growth of that. All three are different types of accounts that can be used when it comes to investing. But not all of them are always right in every situation. It doesn't mean that they're always wrong in other situations. We like to say things are either appropriate or inappropriate. And that's where working with us each year, what we would do is say, is it appropriate to use the IRA, the Roth, or the taxable account this year? And we'd walk through that each year when we're going with the client. So each year we'll discuss which option is right for you that given year, because it may change year to year. Now, what goes into those accounts? That's a different story and something that my compliance will not be happy if I start talking about on the radio. But it is something that we would discuss one-on-one -on -one within a financial planning meeting to say what fits that risk tolerance, what fits that time horizon, and where should we place each position? Because remember, when it comes to investments, we want to know, one, what's our risk tolerance? Two, what's our time horizon? And lastly, what type of account makes the most sense for us based off of tax treatment as well as contribution amounts? So we're going to take another 30 second break and then we'll be back to talk about protection. Is it possible for you to pay less tax? This is Crystal Langdon with today's Financial Gem. There are four types of tax planning strategies that can potentially lower your tax bill. And while everyone's situation is different, the strategies of reorganization, annual year-end review, long-term projections, and situational planning are tax planning strategies that could allow you to keep more of the money you make. Take time to efficiently plan how you can pay less taxes. Call Crystal Clear Finances today for a free initial consultation at 518-433-7181. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. I'm George Langdon V, 
Most of you know me by five. And before the break, we were discussing the key components to a successful financial plan. First, we covered savings. We talked about having two weeks of living expenses at home in a fireproof safe and a month worth of living expenses in your local bank. And then we said everything beyond that is really specialized and customized to you and your needs and wants. Then what we did is we talked about investments. We talked about the primary pieces, which is we need to know the risk tolerance, the time horizon, or how long do we have until the money's needed. And then we also talked about the different types of accounts that can be used and how each year that should be something reviewed of which one makes the most sense now. The last piece to a successful financial plan is protection. Now, when we say protection, that's a lot of different items that can play in here. First, let's talk about a will or a, and a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney. A will is something that's actually not really financial for the most part. It's done by an attorney. But I highly, highly recommend to all my clients to have a will and healthcare proxy and power of attorney in place. So that way, if something happens, your beneficiaries know what your wishes are. This is something that can also relieve a lot of stress. We work with a lot of clients and it's not uncommon, unfortunately, for some of them to pass as time goes on. And having a, I've seen the difference between having a will and not having a will. Having to deal with the emotional loss of somebody that you loved and cared for as well as trying to figure out what they would have wanted after they passed can be so difficult and taxing on an individual. So I highly suggest that that is a piece of a protection plan and something that we encourage our clients that when we're building a financial plan that we should have that set in place. The power of attorney and the healthcare proxy that's going to be very beneficial if something happens where for some reason you're incapacitated, where you can't make decisions either on your own health care or on your banks and you need somebody to run them. We have lots of clients that mo uh, mom and dad have handed that responsibility, even though they're still here, they've handed that responsibility over to their son or daughter to help them make sure that the bills are paid, that they... They don't get confused when they're on the phone. So to me, I look at it as a way of showing that how much you love those that you're going to leave behind one day. So I would highly suggest looking into whether you should have that or not. Now, the other piece is, well, protection typically means insurance. <laughs> so there are a lot of different insurance. We're all familiar with homeowners insurance, you got to have it if you own the home. You got to have renter's insurance most of the time if you're going to rent, right? You've got car insurance. We live in upstate New York where public transportation is not going to get us there. So we're all familiar with those pieces and the different umbrella policies available and things like that. But one of the things that we typically will work with clients on is life insurance. 
Now, I like to look at life insurance as kind of a spectrum. On one end, we have term insurance, and on the other end, we have whole life insurance. And there's a lot of different variations of both in between those two points. They can all have a place within a financial plan. So for instance, I personally have a term policy. The term policy is really designed that if I pass away, it's a large amount of death benefit that will go to my wife and my daughter. So that way she can afford college. She can pay the pay for the mortgage and things like that. Term insurance is really designed to have a low cost, but high death benefit. Now, the hard part with term insurance is that once that term is up, the insurance goes away, which means that there's no more coverage. So it can be a great piece of the pie, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always the whole pie, right? Because just like I have term insurance, I also have a whole life insurance policy. Now that is not as high in death benefit, but instead I use that one for the long-term component because eventually when it comes to term, the insurance company is gonna say, I'm not gonna write you anymore. I'm not gonna cover you anymore. With whole life though, they've committed for the rest of my life, they're going to cover me no matter what. So term is that great stopgap that, you know, while you have the mortgage, while you have kids and under the age of 18 or going to college, whole life is gonna provide that long-term and really is more designed one for my wife. And then if we both pass away around the same time, it'll help my, ben my beneficiaries, my daughter at that time. The other reason why I use whole life insurance is for the cash value component, for the living benefit piece, right? Because like term, Term is just the death benefit, and that's why it's so inexpensive. Whole life also provides a living benefit when done with the right companies. So with that, there's a cash value that's building up that's available to me anytime I need it. Now, we've talked about this in previous shows where I've mentioned how I bought my wife's engagement ring through a policy loan. I did my down payment on my first house with a policy loan. We've talked about how there's different ways to use it. We went over the workshop, so I won't dive too, too deep into the use of it. But when we look at the protection component, whole life can be a great asset class to have because you can even, going back to our first point with savings, where we wanna earn some interest on it, we can use the whole life cash value as a way to build savings within that. And then if we pass away without using it, we can give it to our children tax-free. So to kind of summarize here, we have three key components to a financial plan. The first is savings. We have some standard pieces of advice here, which are, two weeks of living expenses at home in a fireproof safe, a month worth of living expenses in the local bank, 
And then everything beyond that is going to be customized to you and your needs and wants. Then we have investments where we need to look at each client's risk tolerance and think, what won't, what won't let me sleep at night? What level of risk is going to stop me and have me tossing and turning all night rather than getting the good night's sleep that I need? <laughs> we also need to look at the time horizon. How long do I have to, until we need to start accessing these resources? Now, with investments, we also have different types of accounts that we can use. We can use a tax-deferred vehicle like an IRA or a traditional 401k, or we can use what we call a tax advantage vehicle, like a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, or we can be somewhat in the middle and use a taxable account. What's right for you is going to depend on not only your situation right then and there, but also each year. And that's why it's so important that when you're meeting with a financial advisor, you meet each year to say what makes the most sense here. The last component to a successful financial plan is protection. We talked about the importance of having a will and a healthcare proxy and a power of attorney in place. So that way, if you pass away, your beneficiaries know what you wanted and they don't have to try and guess what you wanted. Also, if you became incapacitated, you'd be have somebody that would be able to act on your behalf. And then we also talked about life insurance and how there's different kinds and each one is going to fit in the right in the right model in the right mold for you. But they're going to depend on your exact situation. Now, one thing that every financial plan is based on. So we talked about the different components that make up a financial plan, but the foundation of a financial plan is a budget. So you can call it a budget plan. I've heard it called an every dollar plan. I've heard it called a spending plan. Altogether, what it really means is having an idea of what your expenses are what your income is so that way you can know where is your money going right because when we first talked about savings and i said you need to have two weeks of living expenses at home in a fireproof safe well what if we don't know what our living expenses are how do we calculate that number so one of the things that i would that i typically advise clients when we first sit down is taking some time and looking at their budget, looking at what do I have coming in? Where do I have my money going out? Of that money going out, what is necessary? What is not necessary? What's a luxury? What's a need? Because having that broken down is very important. So one of the things that I would suggest is to take some time and write down what do you have coming in, what do you have going out, and where is it going. That is going to allow you to then create a foundation that your financial plan is going to be built on. So, in summary, we need to be we need to have whether it's a cash flow plan, a spending plan, a budget, 
we need to know what money's coming in, what money's going out, and where. So that way we can then dictate how much we need for savings and how much we need for investments and how much we need for protection. So that way we can have a truly successful financial plan. Now, I'm looking at the time and I'm getting the signal that we are almost out of time for today. And it has been an absolute pleasure filling in for Crystal. I know she's excited to be back with you next week. And I'm sure that we will be talking again. But in the meantime, if you have any questions about building a key finance or building a successful financial plan for yourself, please feel free. Give the office a phone call at 518-433-7181 and schedule today so we can go through your savings, your investments, and your protection to help build a successful financial plan for you. And be sure to tune in next week as we continue to provide financial clarity for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and Alpha Star are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.